Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very, very special edition of Wrestling with the Future. Tonight, the writer's room, one of our most popular features. I'm your host, Angelo DeCipio, joined tonight by an intriguing guest. Now, I want to tell you something. There are women who have made their mark in the world of pro wrestling, and there are women who have forged the way for others who made their mark. Tonight, we have a trailblazer, Janine Joseph. If I'm, I hope to God I'm saying that name right. No, it's actually Miocent. Hey, yo. <laughs> I knew okay. I was going to get correct. <laughs> I imagine that your, your last name gets massacred, massacred from time to time, too. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know this lovely young lady better by her alter egos, Lady Maxine, Mad Maxine. We're going to talk about all three of these uh, individuals, this trinity called Janine. Um, we are uh, we are doing a little something a little different tonight for wrestling with the future tonight. And if you know the show and apparently by the numbers you do, you're used to seeing Dan the Man and Big Ben Scallop with me. Uh, I'm flying solo. This is a, a new venture for me, a new show. We call this show the Writers Room. We've done. Quite a few of these uh, with Nikita Brezhnikov and Scott Teal, of course, uh, uh, Christine Nordstrom, and, and uh, as well as um, Kenny Casanova. Uh, great writers. And tonight, Janine. Yeah. Mad- <laughs> <laughs> joins them. I will get your name right. I swear to you, I'll get your All name right. right before the show is over. So let me just, uh, j- this is. I'm already having fun. <laughs> Let me just tell you, but Janine is a former journalist, independent art curator, and professional lady wrestler, better known by her ring personas, Mad Maxine and Lady Maxine. And we'll talk about all three of these people later. During her time served in the World Wrestling Federation, she sported her trademark green mohawk and was trained and managed, incidentally, by the legendary Lillian Ellison. You know her better as, and the world knows her, quite frankly, as the fabulous Moolah. And after retiring from wrestling, she pursued a career in journalism, worked as a science writer for the National Institute of Health, uh, and is uh, particularly the Institute on Aging and the National Human Genome Research Project. We're going to talk about that tonight. I'm really curious uh, how she got into this, and uh, we're going to talk about the book. The book tonight is, a, you, you have to find this book. It's available on Amazon. It's the Chronicles of Mad Maxine. And let me tell you a little bit about it. It's the story of uh, a one woman's story of trained to be a professional lady wrestler at the fabulous Moolah School uh, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. The novel is set on a 30-acre farm, of course, in Columbia, where it's a fictionalized account. We're going to talk about that word, fictionalized. Where it's a fictionalized account of one woman's experience in the mid-1980s, becoming skilled at the flying head scissor. Remember that one? The soaring suplex. Nobody even remembers these, these moves anymore. And, of course, the uh, albeit still used common everyday body slam. Both hardcore wrestling fans and people who have never seen a match in their life will thrill with the raw action both inside and outside the ring at this renowned Camp Moolah, as told by Janine Mad Mia- Maxine. Mioset. <laughs> hey, there you go. I will get this. I swear to you, I will, I will get this tonight. So, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I wanted you on because um, I'm hearing a lot of crazy things about this book. It's interesting, Janine, and we're going to hit it right out of the, the right out of the box. The book is a fictionalized account, so it says. However, my research tells me otherwise. Um, you and I know a lot of the same people. Um, you and I worked for a lot of the same people. In fact, um, one of the things I was struck by, and if anybody knows your story. They know that you did, in fact, train with Moolah. She did, in fact, manage you. Uh, and she put a great deal of stock in you. You were one of her standouts. 
why call the book a fictionalized account when essentially it's autobiographical? Well, you know, you know those instances where uh, you've gone to a party and the the perfect comeback to something that somebody said occurs to you later after you've left the room, you've gone home. It's yeah. like the perfect comeback. That's kind of that's kind of how the how the book is. Uh, you know, there were a lot of things that happened that that were based on on uh, you know what actually happened in the book. But there are a lot of things that I just completely made up and because they moved the, the action forward. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I prefer fiction, so um, prefer to read fiction. And I just am not as interested in something that's just a straight, you know, take. So I figured it, um, given that wrestling is kind of a gray area itself, it's. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, <laughs> it. You know, you everybody knows that wrestlers get hurt all the time. There's sure. a, you know, there's a lot of pain involved when you get into the ring. You know, you learn how to deal with with pain. But we, you know, there's a lot of like you know entertainment uh, aspect to it too. So I figured it was within my you know creative license to um, to explore that gray area. Some of it's some of it's fair trivial. enough. Sure. Is not fair it's enough, and, and that that's that's a uh, a very good explanation for it. why not then, um, why not just go with the route of so many other uh, wrestlers turned authors and uh, and write a straight shoot um, or you know or half shoot as an autobiography or uh, or just like a lot of people do, just make shit up. And we know it happens. <laughs> you know, you and I know it. That's ninety percent well, of all wrestling books are bullshit. Oh well, I, and we know that. Right, I didn't know that. <laughs> but you're telling everybody, look, my book is uh, is mostly bullshit because I made it up. I, I would say, uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's a very Oh, Maxine, Janine froze up on us. Oh, there you go. There she is. Oh, you froze up. We're your back. There we go. Yep. Terrific. So we got it all, though. We're good. Um, yes. It's interesting. You know, one of the, the people we had on, on the writer's room previously was uh, Scott Teal. Uh, Scott is, as you know, Scott is a, a prolific wrestling writer. Um. I'd like to throw. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw the uh, the monkey wrench in your your camp this time. Um, when you're responsible for, in Scott's case, he's responsible for writing someone's story. When mm -hmm. you're responsible for writing your own story, can you afford to take as many liberties as necessary to move the story forward? Or is there an obligation to both the author and the reader to kind of walk that line of truth? I, I don't think uh, when you call it a novel, there's no obligation whatsoever. That, that's what, you know, you, you have the freedom. And, and that's what I was really looking for in the book. I mean, a lot of strange uh, things happened in Columbia, South Carolina when I was training. Um, and, uh, and, you know, many, many novels have been based on, uh, on, you know, real life events. So oh, that's, sure. it's, a, it's a known genre. I don't, I don't feel like I, um, have, uh, have an obligation to, to adhere to the truth. If people don't want to read it, that's, that's certainly there. Well, actually, uh, uh, judging by the reviews you're getting, quite a few people are reading it. Yeah. And, and enjoying happy. Yeah, I, uh, I've actually uh, been kind of trolling you a little bit, to be, <laughs> to be honest with you. I've been trolling you. I've been trolling the book. You are getting some amazing reviews, incredible responses, and the, the book is selling. And thankfully, and good for you, it's selling. Um, can, I, can I just uh, give a shout-out to Kenny Casanova, who has been super helpful in, in, in helping me navigate this whole process. Well, um, and it's this, funny that you mentioned Kenny because Kenny's been a guest on the writer's room and we've actually talked about, um, the process 
that he goes through. Now, you've, you've spoken to Kenny, so you know he has kind of this process. Mm-hmm. That uh, So did that process work for you instinctively being a wrestler? You know, um, what was uh, really the, the biggest help he uh, gave me was just like really brass tacks. He turned me on to a, a terrific uh, publisher um, out in Michigan, and I worked, that's the, that's the company that he works with. Um, there's just like some really nuanced things, some details mm-hmm. that you wouldn't know if you hadn't done it a hundred times like he has. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, he's just been really super helpful. It's interesting. Uh, you you look like a, a, an articulate young lady, um, a respectable, a, a woman that's the pillar of your community. Um, in far contrast to the photo behind you and the photo behind me, quite frankly, where you're sporting a, uh, a half-shaved head, a rather colorful mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and looking as badass as badass can be, um, of course it's a character that you play. It's uh, it is an extension of, you know, they say wrestling is uh, is you turned up to eleven. So somewhere in that in that school teacher, you know, body <laughs> is a crazy lady waiting <laughs> to get out. Yeah, don't you think uh, most of us have a crazy person inside? Oh my God, of course, especially if you, anybody who's ever made a living in professional wrestling, you have to be, uh, and I, 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 I divert back to something that a previous guest said. It's a great business if you've got multiple personality disorder. <laughs> it really, really is. It's really, and we're going to talk about some of your personalities. Uh, where did Mad Maxine come from? Let's, let's establish that. I was dating this really nice guy who was into comics uh, and he like put him in, uh, you know, those protective um, cellophane envelopes. And he showed me one of this character, uh, part of the X-Men called Storm. And at the time, uh, you know, she was African-American. She had a righteous mohawk and she had like a biker outfit. And I just thought, wow, that's it. That's what I want. That's what I want. And I always uh, really enjoyed the Mad Max movies, too. So I just thought, you know, get a Mad Max, Mad Maxine uh, thing going. But, you know, um, when I when I first got to um, Columbia, Mula said I needed, you know, I had short hair and she kind of reached over and grabbed my hair and said that I needed to grow it out. And, uh, you know, so I could be like all the other other um, wrestlers that she had. I mean, they were you know, beautiful young women and they were slender, generally speaking. And, you right. know, but when I saw that comic, I just thought that's the one for me. And I did not talk to her before I did it. I found somebody, uh, somebody downtown to uh, give me a Mohawk a group of us, group of friends who were all trainees went over with a, some bottles of uh, bubbly and we just made a party of it. And there you uh, go. it's really <laughs> fun. It was really fun. Um, it was, you know, 1980, uh, I guess that would have been 80, like the end of 84. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, Columbia, I'm sure has grown up a lot since then, but it was a pretty small town. It has. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very sprawling town. I will tell you that. Well, you know, you've been there. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Mula, you know, and her reaction to this half-shaved uh, head, uh, sporting this this newly uh, created mohawk. She was uh, anyone who has happened. ever, uh, and I'm sure you'll you'll have something to say about this. But anybody that's ever done business or worked with Mula, uh, and there have been many on this show, many uh, featuring the fact three ladies' nights that we did. Mm-hmm. Mula came up every time. Uh, you know, with Judy Martin, Alanda Kai, uh, Princess Victoria, all the people she worked with. Uh, not necessarily the nicest lady in the world, depending on whether or not she liked you. Right. And if she liked you, you were in like Flynn. Right. And if she didn't, she made your life a living, miserable hell. Yep. Uh, and I, yeah. know, 
I know your story. I know your personal story. You don't know that I do, but I do. Um, and I know that Moolah put you through the ringer. You know, I, I just, uh, I, I think that, you know, you nailed it on the head. I mean, she had uh, people who she was really good to, and, uh, uh, and they are loyal and devoted to her to this day. And there were others who, you know, I, there was one, one of the trainees who'd been there for a year. She was kind of a heavy set woman. She never yeah. booked, they, she never booked a match for her. Um, I, I think if you if she, you got on her bad side, um, you really it was really hard to get get out of that hole. And yeah, I and, and that's kind of you. You just kind of went where I was going to go with this. Um, you it, like it's just there's no two ways about it. But she she was either you know this diamond that everyone loved, or you just hated her. There was no middle, it appeared to me, from everyone I talked to, and I talked to a lot of people, Janine, mm-hmm. um, you either loved Moolah or you just didn't. I haven't, I haven't come across too many who loved her, but per, were loyal to her. Oh, I've had a couple people on the show that thought she walked on water. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll believe you. Oh, well, you could go listen to the show. <laughs> Yeah, there were people who thought she walked on water. Uh, and, and other people, quite frankly, like Princess Victoria, who knew better. Or um, Wendy Richter, too. Yeah, Wendy, uh, I, you know, I had a conversation with Wendy, and uh, that conversation never made air. And, and I'll, we'll discuss, I'll tell you why afterward. But that conversation never made air, and, and won't. Um, but we have to, you, you can't broach the subject of women's wrestling and not mention the effect, impact, and legacy that Mula created not only for herself, but for other people. Now, the fact that she lent herself to you as a manager told me that there was something she either saw in you or more the case something she could get from you right and that's and that's the truth and i'm sorry to be blunt about it but that's just the way it is um so which was the case for you was it something she could extract from you or did she genuinely feel like you had the it factor you know, um, we went up to together to Poughkeepsie to do TV for WWF, as it was known back then. Sure. And um, met with Gorilla Monsoon. And uh, I think it was the second time we went up and he had a contract ready for me to sign. And they were both like kind of breathing down my neck saying, go ahead and sign it. And yeah, and I was like, well, you know. Uh, I'm just going to have, I'm going to take this home and, and have a, have somebody look at it, meaning a lawyer. Yeah. And I, I did that and, um, you know, was told that it was just, you know, a, a terrible contract with, with basically Absolutely. nothing <laughs> for me. And, um, so, you know, they were, you know, I'm, I don't know what the contracts look like these days, but, um, you know, it was just, uh, another matter of, of, of Moolah and Vince, um, uh, exploiting talent and absolutely, you know. Well, you'll notice, like- Janine, when I did your intro tonight, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure it wasn't lost on you, but I said, uh, and I specifically used these words in my intro uh, during your time served in the World Wrestling Federation, and a lot of people do look at it as serving time. <laughs> Uh, for you, was it serving time or was it time well served? I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the people who Donna Christentello uh, trained were among the very best trained people, uh, women that you could find in the ring. I, I still think that's true. Um, you know, they just, uh, you know, it was four hours a day, six days a week uh, until you were ready. And mm-hmm. it, you were not able, you know, there was no missing a training yeah. set. So you did a move, you know, whatever move you're working on it, you did it like 
a hundred times. Oh, in, absolutely. In two hours so that you had it a hundred percent under your belt. So you cannot fault the, the training that I and the other, other women at, uh, at the camp, um, got, I mean, uh, you know, it was what really kind of happened was when people who'd been trained by Mula, I mean, by Donna actually, uh, would go out and, and work against, uh, or work with other women who had not been properly trained. And that's where the accidents happened, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, so I have a lot of Always. for the quality of the training that I received. So, um, and, and, and what did your training consist of, uh, uh, with working with Mula in South Carolina? Well, Mula didn't really show up until, um, you were just about, you know, ready for a match. I mean, uh, you know, she worked with you in preparation for your first match, or she worked with me in preparation for my first match, but it, it was Donna Christentella who was there every single day. Right. Um, you know, putting you through the paces. And it was... And I'm glad that you mentioned Donna's name because, Janine, she doesn't get far too often. Mula gets the credit for the training when it's actually Donna. Yeah. Uh, the late Donna Christentella, who... Uh, who did a lot of the training and a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of people aren't aware that she was largely responsible for 90%, 95% of the women mm -hmm. that you saw from 1980 to 1986. Right. And people don't realize that. Yep. Uh, so my question to you was, was her, downplayed status and I want to be careful how to say this was her downplayed status purposeful and deliberate on Moolah's part or was Donna just more comfortable in the shadows uh I you know this was just guesswork on my part but I suspect that um it was the former I think that she was downplayed because it meant that Moolah probably didn't have to pay her very much. Um, you know, she provided her uh, a place to live and, you know, true. I, I don't know what else, but um, I suspect, you know, Donna was the wrestler. She's not, a, she wasn't somebody who wanted to be in the shadows. She wanted to be in the ring and, sure. and, and you know, so maybe, maybe she was, had gotten injured in the ring and this was a, a better fit for her. But uh, I suspect it was, this is just guesswork on my part. Well, I, I know what it was. was. I can, uh, if you, if, and, and I know that you don't know, but, uh, but I do. Uh, what it was that she, she owed Mula, and Mula held it over her head. She held, she owed, she owed Mula a lot. What? What did she owe her money? Uh, largely financial. Yeah. Tell me more. And, hmm? Tell me more. We, I will discuss that with you off air. I, will, I have to be careful with that. Uh, right. But I do know that she owed her some financial, um, a lot, in fact, and Mula held it over her head. Okay, so that was the whole racket. Like, Mula would get you in debt to her, and then you would basically have to do whatever she said. Well, so you just... So you you know what I'm talking about then. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and that's what happened with uh, a lot of the other wrestlers, you know, yeah. they didn't have, you know, a lot of them didn't have cars, so they couldn't go out and get a part-time job while they, when they, when they weren't wrestling, which was a lot of the time. Uh, you and know, people think that I make this stuff up and you're validating exactly what I'm saying. No, I it's mean, absolutely true. Yeah. So, I mean, then you're in debt to her and you basically, um, you know, you can't say no to whatever she asks you. And, and that just well, kind of like the, barrel. yeah, it's the Godfather syndrome. They make an off you can't refuse. Exactly. You know, exactly. so let's talk about, uh, there's this uh, distinction between lady Maxine and mad Maxine. Where did the persona of Lady Maxine develop, and was that just an extension of Mad Maxine? Um, you know, initially, um, Lady Maxine was was going to be the babyface um, persona, and Ma Maxine was going to be the heel. But in fact, when I got down to um, Florida, um, uh, I went down uh, 
from uh, Columbia, I went back to Florida, started yeah. in Miami, and then moved up to Tampa and hooked up with um, Chief Wahoo McDaniel, and he and I became partners. And my, um, you know, I had this kind of crazy um, leather, strappy, kind of barbarian look, and yeah. uh, an outfit that I made myself. And um, uh, instead of being a heel, you know, he was, he, I don't think Wahoo was never a heel. And, uh, and so, you know, at, because oh, I God, was, never. he was, what's that? I say Wahoo was no God never a heel. Yeah, it's funny because Karen and Karen's a good friend of mine. Karen McDaniel is a very very dear friend of mine, and the one it's funny Janine that you mentioned that it's really interesting you mentioned that because the one time that Wahoo was put in a for lack of a better word a heel position was against the ultimate babyface Magnum TA who was on our show talking about it and he felt bad because they actually booed Wahoo and he'd never been booed. Yeah. And, and he didn't like it. He was, he was a really, you know, he was a tough guy, but inside, if you listen to Karen, he was a really sensitive guy. He didn't like not being liked. Yeah. Same with me. I, I never really, some people love being a heel. I never did. Never really liked it. Well, let's talk about that because I heard that story. That's why I asked you the the distinction between Lady Maxine and Mad Maxine. Uh, I heard that you're really like a nice person, like huh? legit, like a shoot, <laughs> like you're a nice person. So why get that snookered into this, uh, you know, being the bad guy? Well, because I How, you know. Why did you let them do that to you? Well, right out of the gate, I was associated with Moolah, and I had, you know, I had kind of a heel look, but um, as soon as I could, I, I switched over, and, and that was fine because, you know, there were other women who were much happier in the heel role, like Peggy um, Fowler, Peggy Lee Leather. Oh, sure, yeah. Luna Vachon, both great heels, um, and they loved being heels. They were really good at it. They loved getting heat. For oh, me, absolutely. I just, you know, I, I wanted to, like, I wanted the, you know, the little kids to uh, love me and, and look up to me. I just, I, I just couldn't well, stand heat. Anyone with the name Vashon was a heel. Okay. This is male or female. Let's just cut to the chase. If your name was Vashon, <laughs> you were a heel. Right. Straight up. So let, let's talk about your, your foray out of the world of pro wrestling. What led to you? finally saying, you know what, I've had enough of this stuff. Well, um, I had a really good run in Florida. Um, had really uh, a lot of fun uh, wrestling with, um, uh, he, he was going by Percy Pringle at the time. And, oh, sure, uh, Bill. Yeah, and uh, and then we, you know, wrestled against Kevin Sullivan and his Army of Darkness. That was just super fun. And then uh, went out west and... Uh, Oh, let's see. Oh, and I also had a wonderful partner, Coco Samoa. And then I had a Haitian partner, Tyree Pride. So, I mean, I was in Florida for a good, for most of my, my career. And right. then went out west for, for a while. And it was pretty lonely out there. I didn't, you know, I, I was not crazy about Jack Victory. He was my partner. and uh, Really? We were, yeah. We oh, were, Jack's a very dear friend of mine. Is he? We did not get along. for Really? Reason. Yeah. Oh, he's such uh, a sweetheart. He really is. Okay, I'll take your word for it. He's a one. <laughs> he's a wonderful. I've known Jack since he was eighteen years old. I was there. As <laughs> you his know, just some first match. Don't gel with some people. You just don't gel with. He, he and yeah, I just well, look. That's the wrestling business. You know, that's that's the truth. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. There's some people. It's you know, that there's like uh, you know, oil and vinegar. They just don't mix. You know, that's that's the way it was. So. That plus, um, I was, um, it was kind of a, it was like a set of three, th three kind of horrible things that happened all in a row that just led, led me to get, you know, want to get out. Um, the first one is we were uh, wrestling in Houston and somebody, um, broke into the, my dressing room and stole, uh, my camera, some costumes, a journal that I was keeping, uh, you know, basically everything that was in the room. So yeah. that was number one. 
the next day, um, I had a um, uh, shot in at the Astrodome in New Orleans, and um, the costume I had had put together a costume, uh, kind of taped it on my body, and I had always been really careful to have like costumes that just you know they could not malfunction. But in this case, yeah. huge crowd, massive, massive numbers of fans. And my my costume kind of fell apart in the middle in the middle of a match, and I was you know I was exposed and I was very embarrassed. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then Dark Journey, who was who is who is now a friend, and uh, we are totally at peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, um, I I was pretty embarrassed about my my outfit falling apart, and I potated her, and then she retaliated and gave me a, a really hard kick to the crotch, and. And you got a receipt for it, yeah. Yeah, I did. And it was really, you know, and that was, for me, that was just like the moment of no return, the point of no return. It was like I got in my car, went the wrong way, you know, over a bridge heading home to Baton Rouge. And I was like, okay, I think I've had the whole experience. I think I'm done now. So, yeah, it, yeah, it was just like, you know, there, I was just waiting for that kind of sign of like, okay, you know, when is this going to be, you know, I like I really yeah. didn't want to just dip in. I wanted to have the whole experience. And I absolutely. And I absolutely. And, and you know what? At that point, you deserve it. You know, um, you de- you also deserve to have a little peace of mind as well. So you uh, you heard me mention at the onset that you were uh, formerly a journalist, mm-hmm. uh, an art curator, uh, a, a wrestler. Um, uh, a member of the uh, National Institute of Health, the uh, Division on Aging. Uh, I want to talk about that because that that did not, you know, just happenstance go by on me. I thought to myself, interesting. So she's smart on top of all this too. So let's talk about how you uh, how you forayed out of uh, wrestling and into uh, well, what which came first, writing or wrestling? Uh, writing. Writing from from a little kid. I always wrote stories when I was small. So how do you give up your pen for spandex? (laughs) Well, I I intended to, I, what I, I was, I wanted to write a story about it, but I didn't want to write a story where I just like went in and stole people's, you know, stole. I, I felt like I wanted to like have the whole lived experience and so I could tell a story about it, but not the story of like, oh, is it fake? Is it not fake? That, yeah. that kind of like was not the interesting part. The part was interesting was, you know, how people lived and what what it took to become a wrestler. Because mm-hmm. I, I think people understand how very hard uh, wrestlers, uh, you know, what they have to go through to, you know, get in the ring and, and, and entertain people. It's just. Well, they, let's think, expound on that a little bit, Janine. You know, um, I'm sure you follow some of the product today and, you know, you, you see these, you know, young men and women with downside contracts, downside guarantees of 75000 80 grand. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. A downside to stay home. Okay. 75, 80 grand to sit home. I'm not, I can't make this stuff up. Wow. I can't, I cannot even make this stuff up. You know, you're talking about, you know, people that in any other job would be thankful just to have a job. These guys are getting 75 grand to sit home, Hmm. but they're not happy with it because they're not on TV. So it just tells me the money is far less important than the exposure. In your case, what was more important, the money or the exposure? Well, the money was not anywhere like what you're talking about. Uh, I mean, uh, my my best um, days were like hundred dollar uh, a match, you know, and that was you know that was where even for like the really big matches, like maybe hundred and fifty, like at right. The, the shot that I had in Orlando with Percy Pringle, where I body slammed him, which was not easy. Let me tell you. Yeah, I'm sure. But, um, but you've got, so yeah, you, you've got a little uh, something going for you though. You, because you were 
associated with Moolah, and I'm assuming by virtue of that, Vince McMahon liked you and, and worked you a lot. So no, I had in... two matches with WWF, so I did not have a long run with them. Okay. So you go to Florida, you're working for Eddie Graham down there, or who are you working Mike, for? Mike, Mike had taken over at that point. Okay, moment. Mike, okay. Oh, Eddie had, had passed by this point? I believe so, yeah. Okay, so Eddie, Eddie Graham passed away, and you're working for Mike. So um, but really, what are you doing down Wahoo, there? Wahoo was really in charge, is what it looked like to okay. me. Okay. Okay. You know, he uh, so you're the stories, the, you know, the, the kind of, you know, who, who yeah. was going to go against who. So really fun stuff. You're foraying the Florida then upon leaving, upon leaving uh, the WWF to go to Florida. You're, you leave, for whatever reason, you leave writing to foray into wrestling. You leave wrestling to go back into writing, perhaps, or you, or yeah. is, okay. Uh, you know, I, I kept my hand in writing um, while I was training. I uh, took a freelance assignment for the Black News and covered a KKK rally and wrote about that, um, took photos and wrote a couple of articles for the newspaper. And then they actually ended up hiring me as the managing editor of their, their group of six newspapers. Mm-hmm. And then from that was, um, you know, it was just a way to keep keep active. And, and from there, uh, after I got out of wrestling, I moved to Boston and worked for another black newspaper, the Bay State Banner, which was the nation's oldest uh, black newspaper. And, um, you know, and eventually moved back to Washington, D.C., where my sister lived and, and kind of started started doing more journalism up there. It's interesting you mentioned Boston. Just two nights ago, we had uh, actress and author Christine Nordstrom on the show. I heard part From, of that. She was really yeah. good. Yeah, she's a really fascinating lady. Fascinating. Um, so you spent a little time in Boston. Uh, did you, you live there? I, yeah, I did. I, I lasted less than a year. I just, I do not like the cold. And it's just <laughs> the, the cold and the lack of sun and the... And the drivers, and I mean, I, I enjoyed my job, but it was just, it was just too yeah. intense environment. I just, yeah, they say if you're, if you're from, from the Sunshine Belt, you know, from the Sun Belt, they, you, you know, you, your blood isn't used. To it. It, you know, north of the Mason-Dixon line, you're not going to survive. No, I really it's much not. prefer living in Florida. So let's talk. I'm fascinating here. You know, you got this career in journalism, and you work your way into this, uh, the National Institute of Health, and particularly, not just the National Institute of Health, but the Division on Aging and Human Genome. So how does, I don't even know like where to begin, how does that fall into your lap, or does it fall into your lap? Well, the very first job I had out of um, college, I went to University of South Florida in Tampa, um, was uh, my first job was in a, a retirement community working for their newspaper and I had an amazing boss. And so I had worked um, writing about issues of importance to older people. Right. And so that was, uh, you know, when I went to interview for the National Institute yeah. of Aging, I was able to, you know, say that I'd done a, a few things like that. I, um, I, you know, helped get an Alzheimer's disease support group going at my first job. And, you know, I, there were some kind of things that uh, I was very proud of and uh, had a had a really good run there. That was about seven years. And during that time, I promoted uh, exercise for people over 50, when I, even though I was 40 at the time. And, um, you know, the uh, Genome Institute, that was, uh, that was a really intense job. Uh, I really, you know, it's just like, hardcore science and, you know, getting, you know, working with scientists who are just amazing people. They, they are so passionate about what they do and they are so willing to tell you about it. Janine, do you have a science background? I have a journalism background, but I have, um, you know, a curiosity about many, many things and um, I love learning new things. So how receptive was the scientific community to this, wrestler turned journalist 
Well, once I I left wrestling, I did not really let the cat out of the bag. I did not let people know that I had been a wrestler. Bless your heart. (laughs) Probably until like maybe five, five years before I retired. And then I was like, then I would like let it out. But, you know, I, I, I was concerned that they would like, you know, wonder about me if I, if I let, let them know about that. So I, I kept my, my wrestling life and my, That's my really professional life. Really, Separate. really interesting. It's funny. I'm, I'm just like in my mind is just going right now. Because, you know, as, as I said, you know, at the beginning, we, you know, we call it in the ring here. There's nothing ever, ever scripted. I'm thinking to myself, it's so bizarre that you're trying to privatize something that was so public. Yeah. And it's funny how we do that. But, you know, you've been on television and you've been, you know, crisscrossing the country. So there's there's got to be this handful of smattering of people or more than a smattering of people who know who you are or have seen your face and go, hey, you look familiar. Uh, well, you know, that was, uh, that was the beauty of living before the age of social media. You know, all, all the uh, all the crazy things that I did didn't get recorded and posted online, never to disappear. So. You're a lucky, lucky lady. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my God. Can you imagine a Mad Maxine in the social age? Oh, for God's sakes, please. Oh, so you talk about uh, it, it really in, you know, getting it, sinking your teeth and getting a, a bite out of this, um, this scientific realm um, and enjoying what you're what you're chewing on. So let's talk about, I'm going to explore this a little bit with you. Let's talk about your exploration of the world of science and how you parlayed that into what you're doing now. Um, well, I, I still actually do uh, science writing now. I mean, I, I, I take freelance um, projects. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was at the aging institutes, uh, the aging institute, the things that really stuck in my in my brain um, you know, are the things that I use all the time now, um, the importance of exercising every day, every mm-hmm. day and, and exercising pretty hard. I, I, I work out with weights. I, um, I bike, I swim, I play tennis. And I, you're a tall woman too. You're, you're yeah. six foot six. six uh, I know you're, are you six two? I am. Are you really? Yeah. And, and in the interest of full disclosure, we have to tell people that you're, you know, pushing like ninety years old, and you look wonderful for, for your age. I'm Sixty-one. I don't have any problems <laughs> telling you my. Name. I'm busting your chops. I uh, knew I'd get it out of you, though. <laughs> I, you know, doesn't bother me at all. Um, the other thing is, by like, the way, just for for the record, you and I are the same age. How are you? That yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you too, Angelo. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um. You know, the importance of having friends, people that you're connected with, the importance sure. of having a sense of purpose, you know, mm-hmm. things that make you want to get up in the morning. Um, uh, I gave up drinking in January, so that's no longer uh, a factor. Good for you. I'll yeah. tell you what, I uh, I stopped smoking on my birthday. I gave myself a birthday present. I smoked for 38 years. And at the age of 61, I quit smoking. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And now I am getting as big as a house. <laughs> well, I that's, don't why, know... that's why I stopped drinking, because I could not lose weight while I was... My, my husband is an amazing brewer of beer. And I, I, you know, we have five different kinds of beer in the house at all times. And they're all beers that I like to drink. And... Uh, I just couldn't, could not manage to lose weight while drinking his amazing beer. And I can't lose weight in the man. I walk every day with my dog and I just can't. Maybe it's the fact that I, I eat every piece of candy. and <laughs> I have a sweet tooth. I love candy. Yeah, I do too. That's, oh my God, that's my thing. But uh, so what's next for you? You're, uh, you're continuing to write. You're right. doing a lot of freelance work. Is there, because I have this feeling, and I know some people, as I mentioned before, I know some people who know you, and we worked for the same people. Um, but one of the things I want to find out is, uh, I, I have a little birdie told me that there's another book in you. 
Oh yeah, I'm already working on that. Actually. Yeah, I heard that yeah. one. I heard that. It's gonna be, um, you know, it's it's. There's still gonna be, you know, some some real in it, but there's, you know, it's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of crazy crazy stuff that well, happens. You know what the the blessing of that is, and I've ha- actually had an author tell me this: the blessing of writing from reality and calling it fiction is that you can get away with shit that you would not ordinarily be able to get away with legally if it were an autobiography or based on, you know, hardcore truth. Um, You have, as you said earlier, creative liberties. That's your story. You could tell it any way you want. Right. And who's to dispute it, which is a wonderful thing. Um, So are are you um, toying with any working titles? Uh, is there a title for it yet? But the um, the group of of lady wrestlers um, uh, uh, they moved to Florida, but um, they they actually form a a vigilante group, and they they go out and they you know help out people who who need somebody in their corner, and they kick ass and they make sure everybody's taken care of. So they kind of are. I have, I will tell you, I I have a title for you. Okay, later. I will tell you off air. (laughs) I will tell you off air. I have, it it hit me like. Go ahead and tell it right now. No, I can't because then (laughs) I want to make sure that you have it. If I put it out there, somebody will snatch it up. I'm not going to tell it. (laughs) Okay, all right. I'll tell you privately though. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I got a title for you. It's crazy. Yeah, um, are really hard to come up with, let me tell you. Oh, look, I'm like a marketing genius. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> if you watch this show, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I like that backdrop that you did. That's pretty cool. That's I created that just for you, and I do this for every guest that comes on the show. I like it. I give them their background, so you'll get this after the show. All right, awesome. Yeah. Um... So you have this this other book you're working on. We'll talk about that, and, you know, moderately because we don't want to give we don't want to give away the 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 baby with the bathwater. Right. Um, we, I'm also working on a one woman show based on the book um, that I hope to that with my husband um, hope to take to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is like this amazing theatrical experience over in Scotland. Interesting, interesting. Yep. A friend of mine, I'm sure you know him, uh, Gary Michael Capetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, WWF uh, uh, WCW NWA ring announcer Gary Capetta did the very same thing with his book. He actually created a one-man show based on his book. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, absolutely yeah. terrific. And then um, I started a theater group down here in my community, and as soon as uh, COVID goes away. Uh, we'll get started and, and we'll continue to, uh, you know, perform plays. And so it's terrific. Very busy. Yeah. And where, and where are you? Which state are you living in now? Where are... uh, I'm in Florida. Back oh, you're in Florida. in Florida. Okay. I'm going to hook you up with a friend of the show, a very dear friend of mine, a uh, filmmaker named Mike Messier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if you know him. He's in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, Great guy. He's a uh, uh, he has an Avalonia Film Festival. Um, he has a he's also a playwright. He performs in plays and writes plays. Awesome. But uh, he's uh, best known for a film called Disregard the Vampire. Mike Messier is a great guy, and I'm going to hook you up with him. Okay, I'm sounds gonna, good. I'm going to give you his number and all that when we get off the air. Okay. So we are approaching. The top of the hour, and this is a, a, a one-hour show. I do have to do a word from our sponsor because they pay the bills around here. Um, <laughs> you're going to love this one, <laughs> so forgive me. Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com Lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with their patented no-nick head. So your head will function as desired. Just enter wrestling promo code wrestling future for a 20% discount. 
on your first order, and uh, we will take care of the rest. That's Manscaped.com. Wrestling Future is our promo code for a 20% discount. Your balls will thank you, and so will we. <laughs> Sorry to have to do that to you. That's all right. I was expecting it. There you go. So let us get to uh, Janine and tell everybody where they can find the book, where they can find you, how they can uh, hit you up on social media and follow your appearances. Sure. Um, well, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, prefer to have the book signed so people can get a book from me directly um, uh, via PayPal. Uh, oops, sorry. Um, let's see. Hold on for a quick sec. Oh, PayPal. Um, my, it's just PayPal at my last name, M-J-O-S-E-T-H. Um, or Venmo, Janine-Mioset. Um, I have a hard-hitting advice from... Uh, professional lady wrestler on Facebook page. Um, you can just Google Mad Maxine. You can, it'll come up. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Terrific. Yeah. So very. All right. So, and uh, do I you have a like Instagram that sort of? I don't really do. Uh, you know, I, I have an Instagram page, but I don't do um, all that much with it. Okay. Not as so active. Pretty much uh, Facebook and Twitter, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. I want to tell everyone the book is The Chronicles of Mad Maxine. It is available on Amazon. I encourage everyone to get the book. It is an amazing read. If you are a fan of professional wrestling, you will love it. If you are a fan of female professional wrestling, it is a must-have. You will not put it down. And I want to thank you for being with us, uh, Janine. Neoset. Mieset, there you go, and I, I got it. Mieset, right. I Mieset, see that? I pretty got good. it. Pretty close. <laughs> I told you I'd get it before the end of the show. <laughs> I want to thank you for being with us. You are uh, cordially invited back to join us. I would love to have you back when I do ladies' night again. I'd love to have you with, uh, with Princess Victoria and Judy Martin and. Casey Carlisle and uh, and and really like dish the dirt. I'd love to have you back. Sure. So there yeah. there is an invite there. So for wrestling with the future for Janine Niesa, yes, yes. I got it. Hot damn. <laughs> I'm Angelo DeCipio. Take care. Happy wrestling, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>